Hello everybody. This is the technical area. For the last time in 2019. I'm your host Gaffer Graymo. Our final episode of the year has come. I want to thank everyone who's joined on the journey as you know the FM notebook. Uh, I know it went away and you know took and reformed really as this podcast so I want to thank everyone out there who's joined the journey, who's made the, the move over. Uh, and I really do appreciate the support the podcast has been getting, the interactions, the listens, everything like that. I don't do it for the numbers, I do it for the enjoyment, and it's great to have to get involved and get interactive with the community. This week's topic, I handed over to you. And basically, it was just to get interactions and get people whatever way you whatever you want to get in touch to the social links down below to to ask me questions decide the topic possibly even as well and really make make this podcast your own you know not my christmas gift to you you could argue in some way but i know other people might say it's just total laziness and you know what i wouldn't say laziness but busyness at this time of year i think we all can relate to in terms of my own FM playing time for the final time, we'll be telling about this, so it's final time probably be talking about this out loud. Even though I talk with a few lads at lunch today, the football manager's pretty nice. Um, things are going really, really well with Velez, currently sitting second in the Super League after eight games. Five five wins, two draws, and we just our first defeat there in the last match before recording. Uh, we lost 3-1 to Racing Club, the Avalanda, current champions of Argentina. So, not to, to be ashamed of there if they did start with poorly. But yeah, we just weren't really at the races in this game. You know, we were punished twice on the break. Found ourselves 2-0 down. Uh, Luca Robertoni smashed in a screamer. I've seen that on my Twitter feed. Got it to 2-1. Things are starting to get a little bit exciting. And 93rd minute header from a, a corner finished us totally off. So, Disappointing to end on a loss, but it was nice because I didn't have to, the the uh, I, I needed to record the podcast. I needed the time to to, to step away. Otherwise, I'd still be playing football manager now. This podcast not be getting recorded. In terms of the save, it's been a little bit frustrating the last week or so. I've had a few laptop issues between booting up, restarts, no crash dumps, thankfully. But it's just been very, very slow, sluggish. And you know, at one point I tried to. I, I, Tried to load up the game last night at 7 o'clock, squeeze in the game against Lanus before the, uh, I don't know what you want to call that Liverpool team that played Aston Villa last well, Tuesday night now. I wanted to, to, before that started, squeeze in that quick game. Loaded the game up at 7, and FM had finished loading by 10 past 10. Got the game in, and after 28 minutes of screaming blank, all I could see was the pitch. And then by the time the game got itself back together, it was one nil down, and it was just forty three minutes. Total just time skip jump was crazy. So, you know, I just I just turned it off because I kind of felt it was the best thing to do was to stop the game, come away. That obviously wasn't a lot of team. My laptop or the game, I don't know what wasn't working right, whether whether they weren't just being friends. So, came back tonight and. It's good to get kind of things going again, and the laptop was playing nicely, so hopefully that may continue. In terms of the FM time over at Christmas, things are going to be very limited. I think we all can relate to that. Life gets quite busy. I will try and squeeze in a bit of Velez. I put a poll out last week asking, like, is FM20 Touch worth it? 
a resounding no victory. And I suppose the thing with being a podcaster is I'm great at talking. Sometimes my listening skills can be a little bit switched off. And I may have accidentally pressed buy, so I bought it on the iPad. I know, I don't, don't. You're probably sitting there growing at me, giving out, saying I have to raise some 20 quid and trip. Do you know what? You probably are right. But in, I just kind of felt over after Christmas playing on the iPad could be the, the only way I actually squeeze in some FM time. So, so you know, that, that may be the, the way things go. And, you know, I could be squeezing a bit of time as well tomorrow. Uh, and it's like that's why we're recording on a Wednesday night as well, you know. Uh, tickets to go see Star Wars tomorrow night. So, it has to, so that's taking my recording time out before I have to, to go see my granddad for his birthday. So, you know, family... You know, family things do pop up, so you do have to put life in front sometimes with our passions and other cases, so might squeeze in and try getting started up with a save on touch so I can keep things going over uh, to Christmas with you. But like that, like I said, now you're sick of hearing me talking about me, myself, and I in terms of our uh, my save. You're not really here to listen to the save. You're here to listen to me talk podcast things about Football Manager. And those of you who sent in things, you, you wanted to really kind of start a show, steal the show, get and to take control. So, three questions, three questions, well, three interactions with community members. So, thank you to those guys. If you didn't get involved, you know, there'll be another one of these in 2020. So, do get involved if there's anything you want to do, ask and take control of the podcast. First up, though, it went. The first question went to uh, Black CFM, regular contributor to the pod. So, thank you for your question. Question went was phrased this: Of the things in FM that work in top leagues, which don't work if you try them in lower leagues? And for me, I'm just going to talk from my perspective: managing in top leagues and managing in lower leagues. I'm not someone who commits to long term saves really, really well. So, any of these kind of Rising from the bottom to the top, taking you know your local Sunday League team, turning them into the Champions League winners in twenty five years. That's just not me. I just don't play football manager in a way that allows me to to create a save just like that. So taking my experiences from managing in the top leagues and going to lower leagues, whether it's lower leagues in those same nations or lower repute lesser reputable leagues across the world, um. In top leagues, I tend to carry a. I pref, I've, I've started to learn in recent years that a small squad is best. That if I can keep a squad of eighteen kind of first team players, like obviously we all know you have a regular eleven, you have seven subs. So having that eighteen and you know, uh, padding it out then with plenty of young prospects coming through, guys who you might want to let out on loan. You want to phase them in and out, um. So. But when I've gone to lower leagues, you, you do need plenty of players and you do need like a big shortlist. I wouldn't tend to be someone who'd keep a shortlist when I'm managing in the top league because I kind of feel you've got the reputation, you've got the resources and scouting is constantly going on. Uh, finding new or better talents and comparing them, so on and so forth. Where with the lower leagues, you, you need to build up a bank of knowledge of players. So for me, I, I keep a far more detailed shortlist, a greater in size shortlist. I keep a larger squad because like that you can lose players quite easily. Um think players can be replaced more. In terms of youth development, I like that I do put a little bit into youth development with the, with these clubs, but you you know, you kind of in lower leagues you you're 
you're pining for results almost immediately just to keep things ticking over the bank balance afloat so for me you know like off the, the squad management I, I, I do things a little differently financial management is something i take far greater control of so i'm very very stingy when it comes to uh contracts in terms of the clauses the only clause i'll put in is appearance fees but if i'm putting in an appearance fee for a players contract it'll mean their basic wage is reduced and that was something that was very effective when managing the likes of shelburne in the league of ireland where i gave where we're managing shells, it was a case of you give players that lesser wage, and because of the amateur semi professional nature of the save, there is a higher fee. So, you, and then monitoring that is, of course, very important. And even your, it can affect your team selection in that regard as well. So, but obviously, when you are managing in the up in the, the higher leagues, you know, you, you can add these extra clauses in the financial resources can generally be there. And I'd often be a little someone who might take the eye off the ball there and you know, pass it off to director of football though. Avalese, I'm going to pay the price this year. But obviously, like on the on the field, things things in terms of squad selections, team instructions, player instructions. At the lower leagues, I try to keep things far more simple. Um, you know, I'll opt for kind of the the vanilla roles and tweak them with the instructions myself. So, I might go for a ball winning midfielder. I might go for a central midfielder on defence. I might go for. You know, I, I, I try and keep things an awful lot more simple when I'm playing with the lower league teams because it's sometimes, and I know people like Dangier and all that, they've, they've really, really, really fantastic tactics that are based off um, very few player roles. And they've spoken with them on their own podcasts and the like. But for me, my I kind of try to keep things far simpler at the lower levels than I do at the upper levels because I feel at the upper levels, if players were far more capable of playing much more complex, flexible systems than what you possibly have with the, the higher teams. Or with the lower teams. So, thank you, Black CFM. Hope that answers your question. Um, obviously, I could go into far more detail and I could actually make a whole podcast almost on that. And I have done in the past with, with the FM Notebook, but um, maybe that, that might pop up again. Talk about lower league says in the future. I have to wait and see after Christmas. Uh, Charlie Tango, FM, another regular contributor to the podcast, got in touch. Um, an idea might be how playing FM has affected real life situations. So, a player that you get to dislike because of FM, a team you keep an eye out, or results for, or trips you've made to see clubs in action. Charlie, this is a really, really great question because obviously, you know, in terms of FM in real life, you know, for some of us it becomes a real life. We find ourselves in work, doing things in school, doing things where we're we're thinking about our save, and our save is becoming very, very real. Um, in terms of players that I dislike, um, I wouldn't say there's. I, I've kind of been very, very frustrated. At a few Tyrone Mings is one. I took him on loan from Bournemouth when I was at Chalk, and I needed a left back. And my scouts were praising him. He was really good. And he came in and he stunk to show up training. He was always a poor performer in training. Although he didn't have the training range back then. He was a player I'd often criticise. For his training level. Um, Who else? And, his, and then his performances on the pitch were, were quite poor as well. That, that was a frustration. Uh, I, managing Sanetti and I grew to dislike the whole Paris Saint-Germain team. Because... Like they just were capable of doing things that 
I felt my team were totally not capable of doing. My player had shot from 35 yards. It was a case that was going 35 yards over the roof of the stadium, where their player had a shot from 35 yards. Um, there was a hole in my goalkeeper's hands because it blasted all the way through. So, you know, PSG team were going to dislike very, very quickly there. Uh, a team I keep an eye out on the results for uh, every team that I've kind of managed, really, especially since I've kind of really recommitted to football manager with, with, with Schalke. Um, you know, I think it's very easy in this era to, to keep an eye on the team's results when you can just go onto Twitter, type in the team name, and press follow. Um, it was great the year I managed Schalke. I got a few interactions from them, uh, from the club. I, th- I did tag them. I was one of those at Schalke. And they noticed me. Hello. So I did get a few uh, in- interactions there. That was great. I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, every team. And then like that on live score, you can find yourself just... Freaking should like the live score app, just kind of to keep my own scores. And you know, I'm following Velez very closely this year, so, and San Jose as well. I followed them in the MLS now, they've kind of made them my MLS team. So, so yeah, so kind of, but then so kind of results are kind of constantly on. And the fact that, that these leagues might play through the summer kind of gives you a bit of a something to look out for during those boring summer months where the European football is taking the break as well. And then trips I made to see clubs in action. Mrs. Gigi doesn't know this, but that's something I really am working on and I'm trying to persuade her and get her to do. I've eyed up trips to Germany for Schalke, uh, Rio Vallecano, Madrid. I'm not sure about France at the minute. I see San Etienne. I've had a stadium closure, so that that's not looking great. Obviously, I've managed Liverpool. I'm a Liverpool fan. I've managed Shelburne. Shelburne fan and football manager, so... In terms of trips, seeing them, I don't know if they count. But and then, of course, like the research and looking at pictures of Buenos Aires and doing the research on Argentina. You know, part of me is tempted to, to you know, pick one of these once in a lifetime trips to to go to Argentina and go to the Jose Amalfitini Stadium and watch them play and actually buy the jersey. Cause I've, I've been looking to buy the jersey, but. Shipping fees and <laughs> import fees into Ireland looked like to be a, a significant issue and barrier in that case. So, but yeah, no, I'd love to go see a lot of the teams I've managed, football manager in the flesh, though. And you know, just you know, reconnect and make that bond there. That That's something. So, at the minute, there's no trips have actually been made, but they're in the pipeline. Just, just don't tell Mrs. GG. And then over on Slack, the last question came in and came in during, just before the podcast recording, uh, just while I was watching uh, the Club World Cup uh, semi-final there between uh, between Liverpool and Monterey, which thankfully I, I, I get to watch the later game now on Saturday. It's maybe not the most topical, but what do you think is the best way to choose a formation? FM All Dogs question is one of these that's you know put me really on the spot here. So pick something that your best five or six players fit into. Pick something based on what unit is strongest as a whole. Or choose something that you want to play and chuck guys into it and see who step up. Other options considered as well. And you know, I think this is one of the greatest questions we all ask ourselves and ponder with in football manager. When we take over a club, what way are we going to play? What How is things going to go? 
in terms of setting up the formation, I'm going to just talk about how I've, I've done it with Velez. With Velez, I had a very, very, uh, you know, um, clear idea of how I wanted to play, the style of football I wanted to play. I wanted to play something that was fast, aggressive, and direct, but through phases of the game could become slow and hypnotic and like a real short, fluid movement game. I wanted us to be able to defend with you know a great strength in our backbone, really rigorous, become a wall of fortress, and then on it on an attack just absolutely explode forward, making the pitch as wide as possible. Complex movements, you know, uh, like that, just real fast, you know, passionate football is really what I wanted to create. But obviously, when it comes to creating a, a, a formation, a shape, that's obviously where things have to start. And with the, with the tactics builder and FM and the changes we've seen from last year to this year with the induction, I love the thumbs up suggestion because that kind of gives us a great way to start. So when I started with Velez, so I ju- I looked at the options available to me. I think it was gag and pressing, vertical tiki taka, and control possession, and all three of them. I was like, yes, yes, and yes. I wanted to create a style that was a hybrid of those three, you know, philosophies. Um, I think I start with vertical tiki taka as my base because of the research I'd done and seeing that Velez were quite strong in terms of the wide players and there's plenty of good players coming through as wide prospects, even though they like to be inverted. So playing like with a vertical tiki taka meant I could have, you know, Plenty of players who were able to move forward, but whether it was like, and then the central midfield as well. I also had plenty of players who are capable of using the ball, driving forward the ball. They all a lot of great dribbling attributes. So it means Mazalas have really become a, a key staple of the, the, the formation I've developed. In terms of picking the 4 3 3, it or 4 1 2 2 1, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, that was tricky. I, I won't lie, that that was a tricky uh, thing to do because it didn't exactly suit what I had at the start of the team. I had plenty of good wingers and a Thiago Almada who looks to be a phenomenal prospect as a playmaker as the number 10. So obviously we're playing with this shape. I'm going to isolate him uh, from the vel- and from and really kind of freeze him out from playing in his best position, his natural position. And that was a tough decision to make. So in terms of the shape, the 4 3 true is what I felt was best, even though there were suggestions and with plenty of good centre-back prospects, a three-centre-back system was something that, you know, I was totally open to. So as I developed, I, I, kind of, I didn't want one primary shape. And I think the thing was a football manager, we can make shapes very, very fluid now and how, and how they operate. Um, is it Lucas Orellano? I know his surname is definitely Orellano. I think it's Lucas Orellano that is a winger of Velez. And I play with inverted wingers or inside forwards on the flanks, depending on the opponents, depending on how we are go- things are going in a game. Lucas Orellano is a, likes to play on the right-hand side. He's left-footed, which means he's great in cutting in. But in a lot of games, I might need to start him on the left-hand side where he's a natural winger. 
And that's not what I want in terms of Naris, because I have two very, very good attacking left-backs. I want to get them forward and get them involved. So what I've done with Lucas Orellano is he actually changes the shape of the whole team. So when he goes to the left-hand side, he has personalised team instructions that he plays as a winger. And on the right-hand side, the inverted winger then becomes an inverted forward who's told to get further forward and tuck in much further when he, and with his personalised team instruction on the other side. So in terms of the team shape, that shape could suddenly kind of change almost to an asymmetric 4-4-2 when that, when that, when that uh, option of play is on. When I beat River Plate, I played a 4-1-4-1 DM where I dropped the wingers. The uh, inverted wingers, but I played two inverted wingers flush in the midfield and allowed them to get further forward when we had the ball. So that almost created a, a, again this same shape where the two attacking midfielders at wide were tucking in behind that isolated lone forward and the full backs could push forward. So it looks like a 4 1 4 1 DM suddenly becomes you know a 4 3 3 with attacking full backs again. So in terms of choosing a formation, you look at your best players. You like you look at the roles and you see what is it they're best at. All my fullbacks are great and a lot of them are wingbacks, but I make the fullbacks support. And when they were in possession, then they become wingbacks. In terms of picking the roles, I look at the, the units. Like you said, I look at the units and see what's the strongest. And like I said, the wingers and the central midfielders really determines that I play this this shape. But like I do have the Christmas tree, four two four three two one, to you know allow Thiago Almada have a place in the team where he's not, you know, being shoehorned into a wide player role. And then I have this yeah five three two type system that can move five four one. It becomes a three-five-two with wing backs pushing forward. It's very, very flexible depending on what way I wanted to go, and that was to fit in the the really good centre backs I have and the prospects going through to give them game time. So I think when you start off, I think having a clear idea of the style of football you want to play is great, but make sure it matches up with your team, and if it doesn't, find a way to make this you know compromise. What styles are there? How can you adapt them to what it is you want to do? How can you make it work for you? How can you then make it work for you from the start? But by the end of, like, the end of definitely by the end of season one, into the middle, at latest the middle of season two, how can that initial style translate and evolve into? And develop really into what it is you want to do. The style you want to bring in. How can you make that happen? So have a clear plan that you know this is how I want to play. At the start I might need to compromise. But by the end it's still going to evolve. It. Have that plan in place. And think of, it, think of that plan then as a working document. Don't be afraid to make changes, tweaks along the way. Don't be afraid to extend a deadline. Maybe say, look, we're not going to get it done in the season half. By the end of season two, we're going to need the, the extra transfer window. Or by the start of season three, we're going to have this style in place. 
Because what I'd say with every formation is, look, Rome wasn't built in a day. Look at these great managers we see in our clubs. They never, a lot of them don't start, you know, they had a legacy at a club. They started slowly and built up the way they wanted to go. They experimented with shapes. But the shapes we see, we, we saw we saw them find great success with. They That evolved through player acquisition, player development, and a willingness to, uh, you know, evolve and grow their managerial styles. Jose Mourinho's taking the step out of football. We're seeing him come back in now at Tottenham. His style of football has totally changed. And we haven't seen the best with yet at Tottenham. So I think watching Tottenham develop under Jose Mourinho will be very, very interesting. Because I think he knows how he wants to play. He's going to play with a new style of football. And I think it's going to be very, very interesting to watch, especially over the coming weeks with the January transfer window opening. Just what type of players they're linked with. And we can see what way Tottenham are going to evolve. So I hope again, FML, that that does answer your question. And I do feel that topic is a great one. There's a much longer discussion uh, waiting for that one. So I'll certainly note that down and put it in place that it's a possibility to have a, a better, more detailed chat with more voices and more opinions, just mine, in 2020. Guys, the links to me are all, you can find them down below with the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a review. Be aware that every 90 days, the podcast will disappear from the feed. So if you haven't listened to any of the back catalogue yet, go and check out episodes one and two, I think have disappeared, and three is going to disappear on Monday. So you may need to get the listing in now, or you may need to go look on YouTube, where the FM Technical Player has a YouTube channel, and the episodes are slowly starting to appear there now. Just taking a little bit of time just to, to get the catalogue back out and, uh, you know, reformat them and you know as video files from just the audio files it's just taking a little bit of time just to process and get them uploaded there so thank you for your patience this has been the technical area for 2020 or for 2019 until 2020 when we come back in january again i want to say again thank you for the listening thanks for the support it's been a solid can start to life with a new podcast and uh, with your support with your input with your feedback your involvement the podcast can only get bigger and better as we go forward into 2020 again anyone who wants to get in touch i've already starting to line up potential guests for 2020 so if there's anyone else out there who's interested in possibly coming along and having a chat get in touch even if it's not over the, the holiday period into uh you know into the new year Maybe make it your new year resolution to, to come along. I won't say no. We'll just try and work through your schedule as best we can. I want to take this chance then just to finish up by saying I wish you a very Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, whatever creed it is that you celebrate. Um, and I wish you a fantastic 2020. I hope the blessings of 2019 carry forward into 2020 and you look back on 2020 as one of your best years yet but until 2020 i'm gaffer graham thank you for listening and i'll talk to you next time bye bye